What's up, Bridge Youth? How are we doing tonight? You guys good? Hey, 2024 is here. And man, I just really feel so much in my heart, not just because I'm pumped after that game and how well the donut fishing went. Where's our, what was, was her name, Grace? Gracie? Girl, that donut was running from you. That was wild. But um, not just because the games were fun and it was a blast, but man, I feel so much in my heart that starting tonight, somebody say tonight, that God wants to do something brand new in your life and in my life. So here's, here's my challenge for you. I echo what Wyatt just said. Do not miss it. Do not let any amount of distraction around you be the thing that makes you miss what God wants to do tonight. Somebody say tonight. Because here's the thing. Tomorrow's promise to nobody. Tonight, in this moment, it's your time to hear from God. So don't be distracting the people around you. Hold the potties. You don't got, we're all, we're grown, okay? We can hold our potties. Uh, I got in trouble one time for saying pee. Uh, that I peed my pants. I peed my pants at Carl's Jr. one time, and I told that story on a Sunday, and I got in trouble because apparently for some people saying peed your pants is like, in a, like it's a cuss word. I was like, what? Peed is a cuss word? What can't we say, what can we say anymore? Um, hold, your, hold your potties. Uh, don't distract the people around you, and let's lean in to what it is that God wants to do tonight. Somebody say Amen. Hey, uh, one of our favorite things around here, if you had a Bible, go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. One of our favorite things around here at Bridge Youth is meeting new people. New year, but some things ain't never going to change. And one of those things that ain't never going to change is how we love to greet our new people. We like greeting our new people by saying we are here to build you up, not... We love you. We back you. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us tonight. You don't have to believe to belong here. If you're in the room or you're watching online, you are family. So tonight, like I was saying, like this year, like we have such big faith on what it is that God wants to do in and through our lives. And every single year towards the end of the year, we begin to pray for a word or for an emphasis going into the new year. And this year, the word that we have felt in our heart, not just for Bridge Youth, yes, for us as a youth ministry, but for our entire church, the emphasis and the word that we feel will be like a theme for this year is the word devoted. Somebody say devoted. Look at your neighbor, say devoted. No, no, you got to do the thing with your throat like the preachers in the South do, devoted. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second again, and tell them devoted. <laughs> seventh grade boy said, devoted. <coughs> Bro, I'm, I'm a grown man. My voice still cracks. This year, I believe that one of the things that God is calling us to do and be is devoted. Somebody say devoted. devoted. That we, this year, are being called out to step up and to step in. I believe that this year that God wants to take you to an entire new place in your faith and your relationship with him. I believe that this year, somebody say this year. I believe that this year God wants to get those of us who have been living one foot in and one foot out to go all in with our faith. I believe that this year, somebody say this year, that those of us who have been living on the fence, 
man, that we would take a stand and we would choose a side. Right before service, I had a couple of, um, a couple of I think, high school girls who came up and said, hey, Pastor Corey, do you have like two minutes? We want to ask you a question. I said, yes, for sure. They go, how do we share the gospel better, not just here at church, but in our everyday life? And how can we get stronger in our faith? And immediately I told them, man, you're literally preaching my message tonight. That's what it's all about. It's all about stepping in and stepping out and being devoted. Man, my friend, uh, my friend Henson, who the six foot seven guy who rode the bicycle and gave up on the donut, um, he posted at the end of the new year um, what basically like I, I see this and I'm like, bro, like as a student, you're senior, yeah. As a senior in high school, you are encapsulating not just what my message on Wednesday will be, not just what this series is all about, but what our whole year would be. And he said something along the lines, I'm paraphrasing, this is the new Corey version. Um, He said, this year, when God speaks, I just want to listen. When God calls me to do something, I want to be obedient, and I want to be obedient quickly. I want the time between God's calling and my obedience to be fast. And I just want to go all in and be used by God in amazing ways this year. And I said, that's what it's all about. This year we're being called to live devoted. Somebody say devoted. All right, here's your sermon in a sentence. If this is your very first time ever hearing me preach, there's just a couple of rules. Number one, add to, don't take away. I married a white woman because I like to be talked back to just a little bit. So you could talk back to... (laughs) I don't know that I've heard Bridge Youth respond. I say that joke all the time, and you guys all of a sudden are like, oh my gosh, it's 2024, Pastor Corey, you're not supposed to say stuff like that. <laughs> you're going to have to get used to it. <laughs> uh, so you can talk back to me, just add to, don't take away, don't distract. When you hear something you like, you can say, that's good. You can say, amen. Also, not really a rule, but like God loves you more if you take notes in church. So take notes. Here's your sermon sentence. If you don't remember anything else, Remember this. Write this down. We are called to be devoted disciples, not casual Christians. Yo, I'm going to say that again. We are called to be devoted disciples, not casual Christians. A casual Christian is something that shouldn't even actually exist. And I'm coming for y'all casual Christians in the room tonight. Those of you who week after week, what it is that you do when it comes to church is you just, you just come in the room and you fill a seat. Casual Christian, it's like an oxymoron. You know what oxymoron is? Oxymoron, it's like, it's like jumbo shrimp. Which is it? Is it jumbo or is it shrimp? No, it's jumbo shrimp. It doesn't make any sense. Neither does a casual Christian. You guys want to know something really interesting? In the New Testament... In the entire New Testament, if you don't know if you're new to reading the Bible, awesome. Uh, Jump in and start reading the Bible with us this year. In the New Testament, um, the Bible is broken up into two major sections. There's 66 books, but there's the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the New Testament, the word Christian is used three times. The word disciple is used 274 times. So here's, here's my thinking. Here's how I see this. If the word Christian is used three times, but the word disciple is used 274 times, what's the difference between a disciple and a Christian? So tonight, in week one of this series, we're going to be tackling devoted disciple versus casual Christians. And here's the big question that we're going to be answering tonight if you're taking notes. What's the difference 
between a devoted disciple and a casual Christian. I present to you Acts 2, verse 42. Would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? People have died so we can have God's word. We like standing for it. Not to mention it is leg day. Dude, I'm, I'm beat. Dude, me and Cameron, we tested all of those games, the hoverboards, the little trikes, the donut, everything. So I'm beat, but we're going to get it tonight. All right, Acts 2, we're just going to read one verse. Acts 2 and verse 42. Here's what it says. It says all. Somebody say all. All, all the believers. Acts comes right after this book. It comes right after the birth, life, ministry, crucifixion, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. These are the first Christians in history. And it says all of them. All the believers devoted. Somebody say devoted. They devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. That's God's word. To the apostles' teaching. To fellowship. And to the sharing in meals, somebody say amen, including the Lord's Supper, which is like communion, and to prayer. Before you sit down, let's pray. Very long and spiritual prayer. God, speak to us tonight. Please help the Raiders next year. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Grab a seat. Um, <laughs> he, he, he mentioned his wife talked back to him and prayed for the Raiders. You know, I've actually got emails about people who are like, I don't like that you pray for the Raiders. And he's just like, I like the way I pray better than the way that you don't, okay? <laughs> oh, uh, have you ever had a moment in your life that you knew from here on out things are just going to be different? Like, have you, ever had a, have you ever had a fight that broke out in your family and you're like, dude, nothing's going to be the same. Like, I rem dude, this isn't even in my notes. I remember my oldest brother punched my stepdad in the face one time. <laughs> Bro, when I, t I saw it happen, I was like, nothing is ever going to be the same. There's few things in your life that will completely change everything and make the biggest difference. There's few things in life than getting married. Uh, me and my wife, Amber, Pastor Amber, uh, the, the brains and beauty of this operation, uh, we've been married for 14 years. And I remember when I got married, um, we got married, uh, we went to San Diego, we had a short honeymoon because we were broke as heck, we were youth pastors, and so we had a short honeymoon, we came right back home, and we were living in Lake Elsinore at the time, we were living in this like, uh, like a... Like a trailer, basically, like a, 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 a mobile home type thing. Yeah, like a mobile home in the back of our church on Grand Avenue in Elsinore, the wrong side of the lake ghetto in the middle of a dirt field, and none of it was lit up. That's the environment, and it is important to the story. So I remember um, uh, it's our first night in our house. We opened some of our gifts, like newly married. We're 20 years old. Getting married at 20 should be illegal, but we did it. We're newly married. Um, it's, it's awesome. Um, and like we're going to bed and, and me and my wife are polar opposite in everything. One of the things we're polar opposite in is like the, before her head hits the pillow, she's out. She's asleep. I lay in bed for like eight years every night before I can fall asleep. Like I cannot sleep for the life of me, especially in that season of life. So I'm up for like a couple hours and I'm up and I'm like, I'm praying and I'm like just thanking God like that I'm married now and how awesome this is and all of that. And, and like Amber's just like laying next to me asleep and I'm like, man, this is my, this is my wife. Like I'm a husband now, dude. I'm a friggin' husband now, this is crazy. And then... 
I had this thought. And some of you have heard this story. You know where this story is heading. I was like, I'm the man of the house now. That means that if somebody breaks into this house, I'm the last line of defense between the perpetrator and my now wife. And I know what some of you ladies are thinking. I'm, I'm going to marry a much larger, much buffer, much more intimidating last line of defense. Good on you. Because here's what I did when I realized that. I went around my whole house and I stationed weapons everywhere. I had a machete. I don't know where the machete came from, bro. Like, this is not incriminating information. Just somehow I had a machete. I'm like hiding it behind my, my bedroom door. And I like all through the house. I literally like strategically placed weapons, thinking to myself, like baseball bats, everything, right? And I'm thinking to myself, no matter where I'm at in the house, I'll have a hidden weapon on hand in case somebody breaks in. And so I go to sleep with that in mind. And also remind you, a mobile home in the middle of a dirt field that's unlit on the wrong side of the lake in Lake Elsinore, and I go to sleep thinking, you're the man of the house, last line of defense to protect your beautiful bride if anything goes down. The next morning, something in fact goes down. I wake up to, ah, Corey, Corey, help me, help me, help me. I jump out of bed um, in nothing but my undies. I'm in my just underpants. And I run to the aid of my wife thinking it's exactly what I thought. Someone's broken into the house. I have to go defend my wife. I forget about all the weapons, bro. I go out of my door. Boom. I didn't kick the door open. It also, like, opened this way, you know. Uh, so I run out. And my wife's right there, and she's staring this way, which is into our kitchen. But there's a wall here, so I can't see into our kitchen. But into our kitchen, to the left was our laundry room, and right there was our back door. So she's staring towards the back door with a look of terror on her face face and I'm thinking oh my gosh somebody's broken in our back door this is it this fool's about to get knocked out by a dude in ninja turtles underoos okay I wasn't wearing ninja turtles underoos I promise <laughs> so I literally I jet out I push my wife out of the way and I round the corner and I'm relieved to see no one's broken in the house our stove is just on fire Literally a pan with flames to the roof. So my wife had, she was like, I'm going to be the best wife ever. I'm going to cook my husband the best breakfast he's ever had. So she starts cooking the breakfast, and then a little grease fire starts, right? What's the last thing you do to a grease fire? She throws a whole cup of water on it. It goes to the roof. She starts screaming. And like, one thing about my wife, she's amazing, but she sucks in panicky situations. Dude, if it's panicky, she freezes. Like, if this room bursts into flames right now, she would just look at me like, what do we do? And I would, like, throw her over my shoulder and rescue her. And then I'd come back for all you guys. But so I'm like, oh, gosh. And she's like, don't throw water on it. I'm like, duh. So I just grab the pan, and I walk out the back door, and I just put it on the sidewalk, and it burnt out. But here's the thing. Like that entire situation, I experienced it so different because there was a difference. What was the difference? The difference was I'm the man of the house now. Things have changed. 
There is a big difference between being a casual Christian and a devoted disciple, and there are things that change, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first thing different between a devoted disciple and a casual Christian is this, point number one. Devoted disciples see Jesus not just as Savior, but as Lord. Somebody say amen. Here's the thing. This is really tough for Americans because Jesus is not a president that was voted into office. Jesus is a king. And the kingdom of God is not a democracy. Jesus cannot be removed from office and he can't be impeached. Here's the thing. Jesus sits on his throne whether you and I like it or not. Jesus sits on his throne whether he sits on the throne of your life or not. But here's the thing. Like this verse, Philippians 2.10 says, At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Somebody say amen to that. Here's the thing. Every single person, every person will one day bow a knee and confess that Jesus is Lord. It will happen one day that everyone will do that. So I just think better now than later. But here's the thing. Look at your neighbor. Say, here's the thing. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second. Say, here's the thing. Here's the thing. People are all in when it costs Jesus everything, but they're all out as soon as it costs them anything. I said, people, people are all in when he's just Savior Jesus and he died and he was beaten and he was crucified and it cost him everything. People hear that and they go, I'm all in. But the moment Jesus becomes Lord and he says, all right, it cost me everything. It's going to cost you something like this right here. And people go, mm, nope, I'm out. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing is that casual Christians, they just want to go to heaven when they leave earth. Devoted disciples want to bring heaven to earth. Here's the thing, too many Christians, somebody say Christians, that like all, I don't know why, anytime I'm preaching like about this and I go, Christians, doing that just gets me pumped to preach, uh, especially points like this. Too many Christians don't want Christ, they just don't want to go to hell. There's so many people who don't want real, true, authentic Jesus, they just don't want to go to hell. And I know some of you are in the room right now like, Corey, I brought a brand new friend tonight, and you're talking about hell. Man, why don't you go back to the funny stories? I don't know why I turned into a redneck as I preached this part of the message. Go back to the funny stories. Come on, it's New Year's. You're supposed to be encouraging and motivating and talk about, like, I don't know, resolutions, and God's going to bring breakthrough and prosper you this year, and he's going to do all of that. But the point of pursuing Jesus isn't to escape the fire the point of pursuing Jesus is because he is a loving, beautiful, amazing Savior who has a better plan for your life than you have for yourself. But too many Christians, they just see him as Savior. They don't see him as well. This is the problem with the whole lifeguard Jesus analogy. It works, but it only works so far. Because no lifeguard will go save you from a riptide and then tell you how to live your life. Imagine that. Imagine you're at the beach and you're drowning and some lifeguard comes running out. I don't know why they're always in slow motion. And they have the, like, weird orange floaty thing. 
which like, I feel like they should have a better floaty, don't you? Like if you're saving me from monstrous waves and a riptide and potentially a shark, like you better come out there with something more than that little orange floaty, right? But they go out there, imagine they save you and you're on the beach and you're like dying and they give you mouth to mouth, hopefully they're decently looking and like maybe your, maybe your future husband, ladies, who knows? And then like you're like coming to you like, oh gosh, and you wake up you're like, what happened? Like, you were drowning, but I saved you. And you're like, thank you, Mr. and or Mrs. lifeguard person. I appreciate it. And they go, definitely. Now, I know that you are planning on being a teacher, but I think you should go do this with your life instead. You'd be like, uh, this is where our relationship ends. Thanks for saving me. Thank you for the mouth to mouth, I think. <laughs> But this is where this, imagine the lifeguard saves you and goes, now here's the thing, that relationship you're in, toxic, you need to break up. And you're like, uh, no, this is why lifeguard Jesus analogy only works so much because lifeguard Jesus is simply seeing him as a savior, but he's not just a savior, he's also a Lord. Somebody say amen to that. Now here's the thing about a Lord. What does a, what does a Lord do? He lords. <laughs> he calls the shots. He tells you and me what to do. And it starts with this. Acts 2.42 says that they devoted themselves to the quote-unquote apostle teaching. In this time, the New Testament wasn't yet assembled, so God's word was being passed down through the apostles, the people who had actually seen what had happened. They devoted themselves to God's word. See, here's the thing. A devoted disciple is absolutely committed to living a life where God's word is the ultimate authority. Let me ask you this. What's the ultimate authority in your life? For some of you, you're like, I, my parents, bro, I just do everything my parents do. Okay, cool. But like in a few years, you'll be 18 and you'll be able to make your own decisions. So who's the ultimate, what's the ultimate authority in your life? For some of you, the ultimate authority in your life is your heart, your wants, your desires. That's what's leading you. Awful, terrible idea. For some of you, you are, you are currently in a relationship and that person you're in a relationship with is the ultimate authority in your life right now. What's the ultimate? For me, God's word is the ultimate authority. It is my standard. It is my compass. It is my guide. God's word comes, comes before my wants. God's word comes before my opinions. God's word comes before my political views. God's word comes before all of my perspectives. We don't, devoted disciples don't walk through life with this attitude like, mm, I'm grown. I could do whatever I want and nobody gets to tell me what to do. No, devoted disciples say, I'm committed to laying my life down under the authority of God's word. And this right here is how I will live my life because that's what devoted disciples do. What's the difference between a devoted disciple and a casual Christian? Devoted disciples see Jesus not just as Savior, but as Lord. So let me ask you. Somebody look at your neighbor. Say you. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second, and very awkwardly and almost like, almost suspiciously whisper to them, you. That was really creepy. On the count of three, everybody just whispered, you. One, two, three. Oh, shoot. Let me ask you a personal question. What do you do when Jesus starts lording in your life? What do you do when Jesus, when God comes into your life and tells you what to do? 
Because here's the thing. The vast majority of us are terrible at being told what to do. Like anybody have a younger brother or sister, younger sibling? Of you older siblings, right? Any of you ever have your younger sibling come and try to tell you what to do? Yeah, that's pretty much the response that I thought would happen. What do you, what do, you do when your younger sibling tries to tell you what to do? Oh, somebody said smack him. You grew up in the 90s, bro. <laughs> Me? Yo, I had an older brother and I had younger brothers, younger sisters. And I'll tell you this. Older brother told me what to do. It was like, yep, just got to do it. My younger brother tried to come tell me what to do. Bro, you're getting smacked. Like probably in the mouth. Don't use that mouth to try to tell me what to do. You're going to get smacked, okay? <laughs> Why is that? That's because like the natural pecking order of life, younger sibling, you've got no authority over my life. And here's the thing. For some of y'all, you look at Jesus like he's your little brother. And the pecking order of your life, he's so low on the totem pole. When he tries to tell you what to do, you cop the same attitude that you cop with your little brother or sister. Is Jesus Lord of your life or not? I, I, this isn't in my notes, but I was thinking of this. Is Jesus only being Savior and not Lord? Is that enough to get into heaven? I'll be the pastor on stage right now that tells you, I don't know trying to find out is Jesus Lord of your life here's how you can know when he tells you what to do through his word through maybe a spiritual leader in your life through the Holy Spirit how do you respond do you cop attitude like you do with your little brother little sister that might be a surefire way of knowing that you are a casual Christian you ain't a devoted disciple so someone's position in your life determines whether or not they have authority in your life so have you allowed Jesus to be Lord of your life? Point number two, band, you guys can start heading up as we start closing down. Um, just, I think I just need probably Jake, just you and Keys, I think. Um, number two, how, what's the difference between a casual Christian, devoted disciple? Here's a big difference. Devoted disciples pay the price. Devoted disciples pay the price. Look at your neighbor, tell them, pay up. Anybody got anybody, uh, anybody right now who owes them money? You ever, this isn't in my notes, bro. You ever, you ever hang out with somebody who owes you money and then you see them buying stuff and you're like, hold up. All of a sudden you got money for, <laughs> that's not in my notes. Let's get back to the notes. Devoted disciples pay the price. Somebody say pay the price. Here's the thing. Casual Christians will count the cost, but devoted disciples are willing to pay the price. I've been so stuck on this thought for like, for like six, seven months. I've been stuck on this thought. Um, here's the thing about me. You probably had noticed. Um, I'm, a, like, I'm a man, but I'm a 21st century man. <laughs> you know, like I got a Harley Davidson, but like, like one thing I can't get down with is, is hunting, bro. Like, anybody ever been hunting? Alex, I know you've been hunting, bro. Like, you are the type, Alex. <laughs> like, dude, I could never, I don't think I could ever, like, like, and don't get me wrong, I love going to the range. Like, I'm Second Amendment, baby. We're in Temecula. We all believe in the Second Amendment. But I don't think I could ever, like, just have my gun. Sorry, like, gotta wait to put your finger on the trigger, you know? Have my gun and, like, have a living creature on the other side of my scopes. And then just like, 
and then walk up to this animal and look in its eyes while its life leaves its body and go, that was fun. Like, I can't do that, dude. Like, that's not in me. Like, I'm a man, but I'm a 21st century man. I'm not trying to hunt animals. I'm trying to, like, hunt for deals at the mall. That's me, <laughs> right? And, and I've been stuck on this thought for, like, six, seven months. Anybody ever do this? And, and some of you have been at Bridge Youth the past few months. have heard me say this a few times because I can't get away from it. Anybody ever see, like, a jacket or something on, on the rack at a, a store? And you're like, dude, that is so dope and you go and you grab it and then like you put it up to like you're looking in the mirror and you're like man oh dude that is sick like I really like that you're like that's good that looks good on me man that goes with the outfit I'm wearing right now and then you look at the price tag and you're going it's not that cool (laughs) and you go and you put it back yo kingdom leadership there's a price to pay I've been I've been doing this For the last 15 years of my life, I'm telling you, there's a price to pay. Don't get it twisted. Um, I am not the rainbow, butterfly, sunshine, like God's going to give you a million dollars and a Lamborghini preacher. If you want to go make a million dollars and get a Lamborghini, I don't see anything wrong with it. Go do it. I think God can prosper you and bless you, and it's a part of his plan and his will for our lives. But here's the thing. There's a realness to this, and there's a price to pay. And my fear is that there's too many young people out there who see kingdom leadership, they see that shiny jacket on the rack and they pull that thing off and they look at the price tag and they go, I'm gonna wear the coat, but I ain't paying the price. What happens if you don't pay for something on the rack and you walk out of the store with it? Security tackles you. I was lost prevention for a while. I did it for a living for a year of my life. You, that's called theft, but there's no stealing in the kingdom of God. You don't get the calling without the cost. Way too many young people in the kingdom, you want the purpose and you want God's plans, but you don't want to pay the price. I'm t- you want the blessing, but you don't want the battle. You don't get the battle without, you don't get the blessing without the battle. Devoted disciples, they pay the price. A.W. Tozer said it's doubtful God can use someone greatly until he has first hurt him deeply. Get in this word and show me one person that God used greatly that didn't go through hell. There's nobody. Every single person that God used greatly, man, they paid a price. All the time, man, like there's young people who will, who, will, who will come around ministry and they fall in love with Jesus and I love their excitement. They go, I want to do what you and Pastor Amber do. I want to do what, what Pastor Zach and, and Ashley and Pastor Gary and Pastor Ann and, and, and Wyatt and Cameron and Trinity and these people on our staff, like the people who God are using in incredible ways. Like I want to do what you do. And I think to myself all the time, People want what we have, but they're not willing to do what we did to get it. This year, God does, Jesus doesn't want to just be your Savior. He wants to be your Lord, and he wants to take you into kingdom leadership. But know this, there is a price to pay. And devoted disciples are willing to pay that price. We have a friend named Elliot Bland who's a phenomenal pastor. He's a dear friend of Bridge Youth. And, and this dude was a youth pastor at 19 years old. 
And when he comes and preaches, this dude is an amazing preacher. And so often I'll hear young people go, yo, I want that. I want to be a youth pastor by 19 years old. Elliot Bland didn't go to prom. Because he said there was nothing at my prom. And I'm not saying don't go to prom. Go to prom, just stay out of trouble. Right? Like, but Elliot was like, my friends, my prom, my school, there was nothing there for me. I wasn't going to go to prom and compromise my calling. You want to be, you be a, a youth pastor at 19? You're willing to not go? You're willing to, to sacrifice prom? When I went to the internship at 19 years old, man, I left everything. I sold my car. I sold music equipment. I sold clothes. I sold everything. I, 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 I walked away from family, friends. I, I walked away from a band that was definitely going to go big. Man, we were going to be famous. <laughs> I walked away from a band. Here's the biggest one. Man, I, I walked away from Amber, who was my girlfriend at the time, because I didn't know that just a few days later that God would speak to her and she'd go to the internship with me. But I was willing to say, God, if, if she doesn't follow me and I go all by myself, I'm going. Because here's the thing about calling. This isn't in my notes. Here's the thing about calling. When God calls you, you got to go, and sometimes you have to go all alone. There will come a day when mom and dad will, even if your mom and dad are Christians, mom and dad will not hold your hand through your calling. There will come a day when you have to walk your calling out all by yourself. And some of you know, some of you know what paying that price is like. Luke 9.23 says, whoever wants to be my disciple. Somebody say disciple. Notice he didn't say anybody who wants to be a Christian. No, Jesus right here says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. People cop an attitude when you start talking about tithing in church. You want me to get 10% of my money? Bro, that like, that like shows your hand right away, bro. If you cop an attitude about tithing, I'm just going to say it how it is, bro. This isn't Sunday morning, and I'm not contending with business owners and CEOs and lawyers and doctors. I'm talking to teenagers, so I'm just going to say it how it is. If you cop an attitude with tithing, you're a casual Christian. You ain't no devoted disciple. Because you, you think that the lump sum of what it's going to cost you to follow Jesus is 10% of your money, as if God needs your money. God don't want 10% of your money. He wants everything in your entire life, all of it, everything. He wants you to be willing to give everything to him to the point, yes, to the point that you and I would literally be willing to die for the gospel. We are using this word disciple and applying it to us how many, uh, pop quiz, how many disciples did Jesus have? Great, 12. Uh, it's 12. <laughs> Jesus had 12 disciples. We all know the odd man out, Judas, you know, because Jesus is like, man, I love y'all, and I'm even going to welcome the haters. And he had Judas come in, and Judas betrayed Jesus. He went off. Judas ended up committing suicide. Of the other 11, of the other 11, every single one of them except for one of them was murdered for their faith in a horrific way. Like murdered, like I'm talking, some of them were boiled alive. Peter, they're like, yo, you, you are Jesus' best friend. So guess what we're gonna do to you? The same thing we did to him, you're getting crucified. And Peter goes, I'm not willing to die in the same way that my master died. Would you crucify me upside down? And they did. They crucified Peter upside down. So all of y'all who think that like an upside down cross is some satanic symbol, no, no, Hollywood did that. A hundred years ago, you would, see, uh, you would see Christians and Catholics wearing upside down cross pennants because that, that's St. Peter's cross. Some of them, 
Some of them were, were stoned to death. And, and what that meant is sometimes they would dig a hole and they'd bury them up to their neck where only their head was out. And all of them would throw giant rocks at their face until they died. Wait, but one of them didn't get killed for his faith. Corey, what about that guy? He like lived his years out like as a millionaire prospering, right? Nah, he was exiled to an island and he died all alone. His name was John. Every disciple paid dearly with their life to follow Jesus in the first century. And we cop an attitude over 10% of our puny tiny bit of money? Peter was crucified upside down. But some of y'all refused to stop posting bikini pics. Some of you guys, oh, dude, I, I, I said this like two months ago. I think, dude, is it gonna be awkward when we get to heaven and we meet the legends of the faith? And we go and we're like, dude, like being a Christian in Temecula 21st century was so rough, bro. I paid such a hefty price. And Peter's gonna be like, really? Tell me more about that. Yeah, dude, I had to delete Snapchat. And he's like, dude, that's crazy. I was just crucified upside down. <laughs> Silly me, huh? Like, I think, I think it might be awkward when we get to heaven and we're talking to the disciples who are not fictional characters in a book. They're real people that you and I, if we are real devoted disciples and we go to heaven, we will meet them one day. And I feel like maybe it'll be awkward when we get there. And the disciples who are, were murdered for their faith were like, what was it like for you? And we're like, you know, I had to break up with that toxic boyfriend, that toxic girlfriend. And it broke my heart. And they're going to be like, that's crazy. They just broke my bones, you know. Oh, that's wild. They just, they just viciously murdered me for my faith. What's the difference between a casual Christian and a devoted disciple? Devoted disciples pay the price. And I'm not over here trying to set up for you some fairy tale faith. Man, I'm like so off my notes tonight and that's so okay. Anybody else ever hear this as like someone's trying to challenge you in your faith? Like, okay, Christian, if God's real, if God's real, how can bad things happen to good people? Anybody else ever hear that? Like so many people think that's like checkmate. It's like, haha, God's not real. You're like, yeah, I don't know. I guess that works with any other faith. But like our faith? Our faith isn't just a bad thing happening to a good person. The foundation and the beginning of our faith is the worst thing happening to the best person. It was Jesus Christ, the perfect son of God, being murdered on a cross publicly in front of everybody, beaten beyond what you could possibly imagine. If you've not seen The Passion of the Christ, go watch it with your parents' permission. If you have seen The Passion of the Christ, cool. You've seen a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the torture that Jesus went through. Real disciples pay the price. Now, here's the thing about kingdom leadership. And I'm telling you this because here's the motivational part. This year, somebody say this year. Come on, say this year. This year, God wants to work in and through your life. God wants to work in your life and God wants to work through your life. That's why I loved, I loved Henson's post. 
because his post was about, I just want to get close to Jesus. I just want to get close to God. I just want to be stronger in my faith. So it's him and I and him and I and him and I. No, no, no. He understands that his calling and his relationship with God as a devoted disciple, it's only in part about his relationship with God. And God is so concerned about his relationship with other people and the calling he's placed on his life. Now watch how God will use that man's life this year because he's willing. Because he understands Jesus isn't just Savior. He's also Lord. And I think that God wants to use you, every single one of you, the one that our leaders have to go up to every single week and ask you to quiet down in the middle of the message because you can't stop talking while I'm talking. You, because I was that kid. I was the kid who distracted the class every single day. And then they said, you got ADHD and you ain't going to pass. You're not like you, you're not going to make it past sixth grade let alone graduate, and I was constantly the distraction, and I was the trouble kid. God wants to use you. For those of you who are Christians and have been following God for some time, God doesn't want to keep you where you're at. Anytime you become stagnant, just know God wants to move you. God is all about forward momentum and forward progress. He doesn't want to leave you where you're at. But here's the thing, and I'm so stuck on this thought, man. In, in God's kingdom, he wants to take you to these new levels where he releases new anointing to you, where he uses you in ways that you would never imagine. Tomorrow I'm getting on a plane at four o'clock in the morning to go to another state to drive three hours into the mountains and to go preach at a youth camp and at a church. I'm some loser kid from East Riverside whose dad was on drugs, left him, was in prison. I got, the, I got terrible grades. I could barely read. I could barely write. I was some weed-smoking skater kid who didn't care nothing about God or life's purposes. Tomorrow, I will get on a plane to go out states away into the mountains of Idaho, a bunch of crazy white people who live in a place where the low is going to be one. One degree is how cold it's going to be. <laughs> Pay the price for the gospel. This last summer, I was, I was on the other side of the world preaching. God used me to preach a handful of places in Europe, in the UK. What? The kid who grew up with a speech impediment? God wants to use you. Corey, you don't know me. I'm a complete failure. I was and remained to be a complete failure. I come from the wrong family. Me too. I've made so many mistakes. Bro, don't even. Don't start with me. I'll break out the longest list you've ever seen, man. God wants to use you, but here's, here's the thought I'm stuck on. With everything God wants to relinquish to you, there's something God will require of you. Every single thing God will relinquish to you, there's something he's going to require of you. So this year, 2024, the new levels God wants to take you to, what is it the thing that, what's the thing you have to relinquish to him? Because I'm telling you, whatever you're holding on to, it is nothing, dude. It is nothing compared to calling and anointing and being used by him. Do you need to get out of that toxic relationship? Because that wasn't a joke that I was telling. That was the Holy Spirit speaking to some of you. Some of y'all, you have got to break up with them. They're freaking ruining your life. They're ruining your family. 
you know, you know someone is not sent by God when the first thing that happens in the relationship is they cause a wedge and disunity between you and your family. The first thing Satan ever did was got between a family, Adam and Eve. When that happens, you know they are not from God. And I promise you that will always end bad. For some of you, you've got to get out of that group of friends. If you want what God has for you, some of you got to get out of that group of friends. Some of you have habits that you've got to kick. And I'm, like, I'm, I'm off the notes, so there's no filter now. Some of you, you've got to stop smoking weed. You've got to stop vaping. You've got to stop doing all of this crap that has no benefit for your life, dude. No freaking benefit for your life. Oh, Corey, you're just telling me that because the Bible says it? I'm telling you because the Bible says it, and I'm telling you because I lived it. And every single one of my friends who kept walking down that road when I got off of it, all of them, they went on to bigger and better things, and I'm not talking about in a good way. And every one of them either ended up in jail, dead, or they're still at home living with mom and dad sitting in the basement. And God has more for you. Some of you, some of you have real addictions in your life that you've got to get rid of. Because every single level where God will call you to something new and he wants to relinquish something to you, he's going to require something of you. So what's that thing for you? I have a handful of notes I can't even get to. I have, I have in my notes right here, sing Aladdin, Jasmine, and Little Mermaid. Can't do it, man. The band's already, Jake's already playing. It would be so awkward if he's just hit him with the, I don't know where, I don't know when, but I know something's starting right now. Now, now, like, I feel like I'm obligated to tell you why that's in my notes. Uh, it's the toxic relationship thing. It's because I wrote in my notes, is 2020, oh, Jordan, is 2024, gosh, is this finally the year where our girls believe us when we tell them? That the number one thing that's going to pull you away from God, church, calling, anointing, the number one thing is some shot little boy who's going to try to come around and swoop you up and hit you with the, do you trust me? <laughs> and then Jasmine, like a fool, follows her heart into a whole new world. Dude, that guy was not a prince. He was literally a bum. He was homeless. He was an imposter. He was lying. He was a faker. He had nowhere to live. He was stealing, and his best friend was a monkey. <laughs> I just, Isaiah I, I, Isaiah, I think to myself, is this the year that our boys are finally going to believe us when we tell them? Bro, the number one thing that will steal God's purposes from your life is a pretty face who comes around running her mouth with flattery, talking about, you're the best thing ever, and there's nobody like you. Dun, 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 dun. Bro, go read. All the boys in the room, write down Proverbs 7. Go read it and memorize that crap. It's, that whole proverb is about a sketchy girl, and one of the first things he talks about is her flattery speech. And why, why, why say, Isaiah, when will they believe us? Because Isaiah, I've been your youth pastor since you were how old? 14, 15 years old. 
And one of the first things that this man has done every single time a young lady's come in his life and start talking about, I want a relationship with you, is he's come to me and go, Corey, you're my pastor, you're a mentor, and you're a dear friend and brother. What do you think? Do you know this girl? What do you think about us two? Keep me accountable. And there's been some of those girls who tried to pull Isaiah away from his calling, and he is still here following God because this man knows that Jesus isn't just Savior, he's also Lord. Is this the year that you stop trying to live a friggin' Disney movie and follow your heart and one of the prices that you pay is God, I'm not gonna follow my heart. I'm going to give you my heart and I'm gonna follow you. There'll be a price to pay and one of it is gonna be to stop letting love I just listened to this message called Lusting After Love. Bro, so good. Stop letting love be the master of your life and the Lord of your life. But I don't have time to get into all that. So I'll just tell you this. Luke, two verses. Get ready for both of the verses, tech team. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. You must love the Lord your God with all. Somebody say all. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. I love this. Luke 5, verse 11. This is talking about a couple of disciples. As soon as they landed, they were out on their boat. Jesus said, yo, come follow me. It says as soon as they landed, check this out. They left what? What did they leave? They left everything and followed Jesus. That's what devoted disciples do. People are all in when it costs Jesus everything, but they're all out when it costs them anything. But disciples pay the price. Like, like Philippians 121, my favorite verse. I literally have this tattooed across my chest. It says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Many of you guys know Liv Herrick, who is currently on the other side of the world following God's call for her life. And she went all alone and she was here through the, through Christmas break and Amber and I sat with her in our office and had a, a conversation that was filled with laughter and with tears and she says this is so difficult, it's one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do, and I said yes but Liv here's the thing, calling comes before everything does your calling come before everything because if it doesn't that's how you know Jesus is not Lord, and this year, God is not calling us to be casual Christians. He's calling us to be devoted disciples. This is one of those messages that I feel like I'm, as your pastor, I'm like shaking you, like, wake up. God wants to do more. Don't get me wrong, there's a price to pay, but God wants to use you. And it's one of those, those messages where I'm like, young person, as your youth pastor, I will follow you all the way to the gates of hell, but I'm not going in after you. Tonight, you have to make a decision. Bow your head, close your eyes, let's pray. God, you're in this place, you're moving. You're moving in such a unique and a real and a genuine way. So come, God, come speak to us. With heads bowed and eyes closed, there's some of you who are like, dude, I want, I want that. I want to make Jesus Christ my Lord, but I don't even know him as my Savior. You're going to have that opportunity right now to make him your Savior. If you're in this room, you say, Corey, I, I want forgiveness of my sins. I want a brand new beginning. In this new year, I want a new start. I need a fresh start. I've messed up. I've sinned. I've made mistakes. God will forgive you, and he'll give you a brand new beginning right here, right now. God does not run short on forgiveness and grace. 
So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm gonna count to three. And when I get to three, if that's you, you wanna accept Jesus Christ as your savior. When I get to three, you just lift a hand, you put it right back down. Here we go. One, two, three, go. Amazing. Put it right back down. All right, we're gonna pray. This is a, this is a prayer of devotion giving your life to God, receiving his forgiveness and starting that brand new journey with him right now. Everybody pray this. Everyone say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you everything. And from this moment forward, I'm gonna follow you. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's welcome people into God's family. All right, this next moment, we're moving quick. As, I'm, as we're landing this plane, I wanna, I wanna share a story with you that I heard a pastor friend share with me. It says, there was a large group of people gathered. On one side, the group, uh, on one side of the group stood Jesus and on the other side stood Satan. And separating them was a fence running through the group. Both Jesus and Satan began calling people. One by one, they each went either with Jesus or to Satan. This kept going for some time. Soon enough, Jesus uh, had gathered around him a group of people, as did Satan. But one man did not join either group. He climbed on that fence, and there he sat on it. Jesus and his group, they left, and they disappeared. And, And so did Satan and his group. The man on the fence, he sat there alone. As the man sat there, Satan came back, appearing to be looking for something he had lost. And the man said, have you lost something? And Satan looked straight at him and replied, no, there you are. Then Satan said to him, come with me. But the man said, I sat on the fence and I didn't choose you or Jesus. And Satan said, that's okay, I own the fence. As your pastor, here's what I know. There's a handful of people in this room that Jesus is Savior and Lord. And there's a lot of y'all who've been on the fence. In 2024, God's calling us to be devoted. Every single week, like I just did, I give people the opportunity to make Jesus the Savior of their life. In this moment, I'm giving you the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So ain't nobody counting to three and nobody's going to bow their head and close their eyes. In this moment, if you're done with casual Christianity, if you're done with being on the fence and you're ready to make Jesus Christ your Lord, and this might not be for everybody, I would love if there were three people down here when I call you all up. I would love that. This isn't for everybody. If you are at the place where you're done living on the fence and you're saying, God, I'm going all in and I want to be a devoted disciple right now, come up here and meet me at this altar because we're going to pray a very serious prayer. One of the dopest things I've seen in a really, really long time is that as I called you up to the altar, ain't nobody told you to come up here and get on your knees, but all of you did. And what I love is that when we get into this posture, it's a posture of humility. Y'all know what used to happen when people used to walk into 
king's quarters and into throne rooms. And when they get to the throne, what do they do? They have to bow before the king. This is us saying, you're king, Jesus. So we're gonna pray a prayer right now. We just prayed, Jesus be my savior. But this is us saying, Jesus, you're not a freaking lifeguard. You're my Lord. And I'm gonna be a devoted disciple this year that sees you not just as savior, but also as Lord, which means from here on out, Jesus, I'm willing to pay the price. Would you bow your head, close your eyes, put your hands right out in front of you like you're receiving somebody from God. Would you repeat these words right after me? Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, say, Lord Jesus, my life is yours. I wanna follow you with everything. From this moment on, it's kingdom over everything. From this moment on, I will not be a casual Christian. From this moment on, I will be a devoted disciple. Use me, send me. Here I am, God, send me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, all over this place, stand to your feet. Hey, know this, you just prayed a very dangerous prayer. So as Satan comes and tries to attack you, distract you, and take you out, do not be surprised. But know this, devoted disciples have the hand of God in their life. And in this moment, as we worship, what I want, what I want you to do is I want you to focus on the words you just prayed and let God solidify it in your heart. Would you do this? Close your eyes, lift your hands, forget that you're in a crowded room, and let's worship King Jesus, surrendering everything to him in this moment. Come on, let's worship him. Thank you. 
His blood atoned. One final breath, and it was finished. But not the end we could have known. For the earth began to shake, and the world was torn. What sacrifice was made? Bridge Youth, let's lift our hands in this place as we sing all hail.
So a few years ago, my family had a yard sale. And at that yard sale was a few of my personal possessions that I was wanting to get rid of, wanting to go to a better home. And I remember being there at my parents' house and a lady came up with a pair of my shoes that were ages old. But I knew how much they cost originally. I knew how much I was putting them up for. And it was maybe $10 or so that I was putting them up for. Granted, they were like 100 times that price. But I said, yeah, $10. And she said, can you do five? And I'm thinking to myself, I am marking these things down the lowest that I like respectfully could. And you wanna go even lower than that. And I realized in that moment that people want the full thing but they don't wanna pay the whole price for it. And one of the things that Pastor Corey talked about tonight was paying the cost and being willing to pay the cost. And I'm so grateful that Jesus paid the ultimate price for our salvation so that those who came up tonight on their knees, praising God, worshiping God, that we have the opportunity to do that. And he paid the ultimate price for us just to be able to do that. And yet we want all of the benefits. We want the calling, we want the future, we want the joy, we want the relationships, we want the connection with God. We want everything that he has to offer us, but yet we're not willing to pay the price for it. We want it for half. God, I'll follow you on my own time. I'll follow you on my own terms. God, I know that you gave up everything, but I'm only really willing to give up this much for everything that you have for me. Can I tell you that the thing that God is calling you to give up, the cost that's on your life, the thing that God's calling you to give up right here, right now, fill in that blank, whatever it may be, can I tell you that giving that thing up, paying that price is so worth it? Because you have no idea that that thing that's standing in front of you that God's calling you to give up, is actually gonna open up the door for the future that he has for you down the road. Do not sacrifice something down the road, glory down the road for something that's immediate, that's gonna give you desire and satisfaction right away. Because when we think about sin, I think a lot of times we think about it the wrong way. We think about it through the standpoint of, well, God doesn't want me to do this, but he wants me to do this. And we think about it as such a black and white issue where God just doesn't want me to do anything with my life and I have to follow exactly what he has for me. But I really do believe that the reason why God calls us to not sin is because it's actually not good for us is because it actually was never designed for us. And the reason why God is calling us, okay, now in order to take that step, you have to be willing to give up, fill in the blank, is because he's actually trying to redesign your life to go back to how he actually made you. But yeah, we just wanna stay with where we are. It's almost like we're satisfied with the version of ourself that we're in, but yet God has called you to so much more, so much greater, so much bigger, that there is so much more ahead of you. Do not get caught up on the small price that's ahead of you right here. There's a quote from a man named Oswald Chambers who is an amazing follower of Christ. This is from one of his devotional books, My Utmost for His Highest. It says, sanctification means more. Sanctification is just becoming more like Christ. Sanctification means more than being freed from sin. It means the deliberate commitment of myself to the God of my salvation and being willing to pay 
whatever it may cost. Be willing to pay the price. Be willing to pay it because I am so grateful that God was willing to pay the ultimate price just so that I could pay this much to receive all that he has for me. And for some of you, you recognize that tonight. For some of you, you saw this gift, this extension of grace coming towards you and you said, I want this and I wanna follow after Jesus. Can I tell you that from this day forward, it's never gonna be the same again. Just like what Corey was talking about tonight, when he got married and when I got married, I looked at the mirror and I thought, man, everything is different now. When you go home tonight, do not just think of, just, do not just think of tonight as an ordinary night. Think of tonight as Nothing is going to be the same from here on out. Because can I tell you, from right here to where God wants to take you, there's bigger, there's better, there's more, and God is calling you to something. And so for everybody who gave their life to Christ and everybody who's a part of the family of Christ, can we lift up a shout of praise and excitement that people gave their life to Christ. And if you did that, we want to help you along the way. We have a free resource called The Next Seven Days. It's easy to get. All you have to do is DM us on Instagram at bridge, YTH underscore next seven, and we will give you that resource to get you plugged into the family of Christ. Also, we're going to jump into another worship song, but before we do that, I want to remind you guys that the prayer stations are going to be open after that song. Don't forget. Someone say, don't forget that we still have services happening on Sunday. I know, New Year, but we still got connect groups going on. It's a great time. Come through at the 11.30 a.m. service. You get to sleep in for a little bit, but come through, get plugged into community, and be a part of a group. Are we ready to worship one more time? Let's go.